Good afternoon and welcome to, <clears throat> excuse me, welcome to the Sunday Afternoon Podcast with Greg Reese. I'm your host, Greg Reese. Today we have uh, about an hour-long interview with Ben Davidson of Suspicious Observers, a phone conversation that we had yesterday, which I enjoyed. I think it's better than my last one. This is my second interview here on the podcast, and the first one I thought I I thought I did a pretty bad job. The first one, um, <clears throat> what I noticed the difference is is having a conversation with someone you've never met over the phone. That's the uh, that's the interesting addition to this thing that I'm doing. But today uh, <clears throat> will be the second one, and I thought it was pretty good. I was, um, it was never a dull moment from my, from my perspective. But first, I'm going to go over uh, some of the comments. I think I'm going to do, see if I can do a better job than I did that last time. <clears throat> These are the comments from last week's getting played. Getting played again or am I paranoid? Christina says, the only thing about the history books I know is true is that the winner writes them. Comment, uh, reply, our entire history is all complete lies written by the winners of the current war. I would, I would agree with that. I do, I like to, th I, no, I kind of think that there is truth hidden in there. It's very, you know, I think, I mean, I don't think you're going to actually find truth. Let me take that back. But I think you can get a glimpse of it. And the only way I think you could, at least in my experience, the way my mind works is by, looking at the whole thing, looking at every, like, try, like you, you want to look at every little piece of history, knowing that the majority of it is, you know, contrived, or at least a, a, a percentage of it. <clears throat> who knows what's going on? I don't. Uh, Kelzilla, I'll tell you who is waiting for November 8th outcome, Putin. The faith of that conflict lies in the U.S. election. If there's no... Oh, yeah, I replied to this one. The faith of that conflict lies in the U.S. election. If there's no red wave, it's business as usual for the Uniparty, and the Brits will keep pushing their ancient hatred. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been thinking about this. Like, I'm not that worried about the uh, World War Three situation pre-election, you know? Like, I can see whether it's all theater or not. doesn't matter. Theater, they have a story, and the story has a purpose. I don't know what's going on, but I could see, um, either way, I could see, like, if there's a so-called red wave, I could see them at least backing down and making deals with Russia and dealing with the Ukraine in a more Kissinger. This is why I think Kissinger backed away, <clears throat> right? In my opinion, the theater is, is going to be, uh, when it's all said and done, Kissinger will be spared as old as he is, if he can survive that long. And, and then Schwab will go down as the James Bond villain in, in the story. But yeah, if, and if that doesn't happen, if the elections are stolen and, and the uh, things keep going as the way they are, then 
according to the story, uh, the rest of the world really only has one choice, and that's to stop us by force. <clears throat> yeah, and then a string of people talking about fake elections. I've been told there hasn't been an election since Carter, and everything after that was a selection. Carter was selected, so was Truman, Nixon, Ford. I mean, for sure. But I, I think you could go all the way back. You know, the first election, the story of the Democratic election, the history of it was, I believe, Greece. And they used stones to vote on one of two people, I believe. Same kind of deal, same duality sort of dichotomy, mental situation, left or right thing. Um, I may be wrong about that, but I think, it, I think it was one or the other, A or B. And the story was is that the reason that they came up with the idea was to avoid a violent revolution. Because the people felt like they had no choice, so they decided to give the people a choice. But I would argue even back then, I, I think they were giving people an illusion of choice, right? I mean, give me a break. So it's almost like as humanity evolves because we are evolving we're becoming i heard a thing recently about in the early days of america you couldn't get water that wouldn't make you sick because we were we weren't advanced enough to understand how to i know this is true in ireland around the same time but what i was listening to was the history of america hundreds of years ago before they were able to figure out how to treat water to keep, <clears throat> keep you from getting sick, everyone would drink alcohol. Um, usually they would be a, like a lower percentage of alcoholism so that you could drink it as a hydration thing. But everyone was basically drunk all the time. Kind of puts an image in your head how far we've come. If that's true, who knows? It's history, by the way, right? Yeah, but I don't think... Um, I mean, I voted... What the hell, right? Might as well give it a go. I mean, what does it cost me? Um, do I have my, put my faith and my belief in it? No. But by, you know, who knows? Maybe my vote will be counted. <laughs> I don't even know if I like that anyways. I kind of like the idea of a republic, right? Where we all agree upon a certain set of rules that we all abide by, and then that's it. And then you don't, have, then you, you don't change it. You stick to it. You commit to it. I like that idea, the republic. And then you don't need multiple, you don't need, you can have a bunch of parties as long as they all swear to back up those rules. And any party that comes in that says, nah, we, we want something different, you can go fuck yourself. Excuse my language. I don't understand the problem with that. Like, I'm not saying the Republicans are the good guys. I see, I clearly see a, a PSYOP, a two-party system PSYOP. And these days, I, I mean, that's what I saw when I was a kid. These days, I clearly see how one team was given the, <clears throat> the keys to the kingdom while the other team is yet to be realized as to what their role is. <clears throat> Probably the saviors. Give me a break. And I get it. I mean, I guess that goes along the story that I just said, because the Republicans would be for the Republic. 
whereas the Democrats are going to be for pushing it into a more of a democracy, which is mob rule, which is madness. That's collectivism. According to Plato, I think the aristocracy is the way to go. And I used to think that meant like royalty and stuff, but lately I've been reading some people online what they've been saying about that, and I kind of think I agree with that too. Like some people don't give a shit. And so it, would, it makes sense to give power to people that do. I, and that's basically what an aristocracy is. <clears throat> and then that way, if people, if people that just don't give a crap, they can do whatever they want. And then they're genuinely only responsible for hurting themselves and the few people around them, as opposed to the world or their country, you know, or even their city. I'm dominating the conversation. Let's move on. Uh, that conversation, I believe, was ended with, now we have Chinese feelings to worry about. They're obsessed with not losing face. Yeah, that is an issue. Uh, suggesting to do a year in review. That is a good idea. I did that my first, I think I had my first year, McBreen suggested I do a 2018, like a top 10. I did, I did a top 10 year in review and I think it was for, it must have been 2018 or 2019 or something. That is a good idea. As McBreen said, those top 10s get a lot of hits, get a lot of views, people like them. Sammy says she likes the new sound. There's a slight difference. You know what I notice is um, it gives it a really nice boost without hearing too much. Like there's some kind of built-in... Um, when I edit my videos, any audio person knows this. Anyone who's ever done any recording, uh, I'm sure catches this, but I cut out all my in-betweens because it gets kind of gross. When you boost up the... Uh, The, uh, see, I had to lean away right there and do a bodily noise. It's a belch in this case. But when you boost up the gain <clears throat> and use the compression as much as you do on these, these mics and this podcasting mix, then uh, you catch every little, every little sound. Some of, them are, are, some of them I find very annoying <laughs> on my own, you know? I mean, I'm sure other people's too, but... So anyways, I try to clean that up. And what I like about this new sound is I can have a nice big booming sound and it's kind of automatically takes out the in-betweens for the most part. <clears throat> Here's a question about the Reese wrap-up. Sounds good, but if you're going to be doing a summary of what's happened during the week and sharing your opinion, then perhaps change your podcast title to something more specific that includes a recap and reflections, the Reese review. Maybe include, yeah, these are good ideas right there, Dre. Um, I knew the Reese wrap-up was no good. I just, I'm not like a marketing guy and I don't have, that's not my, my strong skill set. And I'm a one-man show. I'm a one-man army, basically. So I'm like, um, that's what I'll do. But I mean, right off the bat, the Reese review I like better. And to be honest, I'm, uh, I'll get into the, the Reese wrap-up at the end of the comments. Um, but um, the one I did last, 
or this weekend, I, I don't think it was that great. And I, and I think the idea that I had in my head, I think I, I need to scrap the whole, the whole wrap-up idea. Greg says, every hundred years or so, there is a new theme. Check the Bible wheel pattern. The Bible has 66 books associated to Isaiah's 66 chapters. Gilgal, meaning wheel, has a numerical value of 3 plus 30 plus 3 plus 30 equals 66. 66 books are divided into three sets of cycles of 22. I'm going to skip through this. Yeah, there's a blog link here, Bible Wheel Church History Menu. That does look interesting. I'm going to click on it real quick. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. That right off the get-go, I mean, it just uh, there's something very visually aesthetic about this page. <laughs> Esoteric knowledge, check that out. I'm totally into uh, numbers. I'm, I uh, don't know why. Always have been. They're very interesting. It's a, it's a construct, isn't it? It's not like um, math doesn't really exist in nature. It's more like a language, isn't it? Although it relates to nature. That's a whole other subject. Shell says, Greg, I looked at Roadstar and it looks great. Sounds like you have a plan. Yeah. I always played at broadcasting. She worked at uh, KSMU Radio in Dallas. Everybody told me they love my show. Such happy memories. Roommates with a real tough cowgirl majoring in radio broadcasting. Knew another one from class. Those gals would kill to be on any show. I mean, they were out for blood. Oh, I can imagine. Adam Curry. These days, they have really interesting tech advances. I enjoyed the pod father, Adam Curry, when he was on with Alex last Friday. Yeah, me too. I never uh, caught Adam Curry. Until, I mean, I think I grew up with him a little bit because I was glued on MTV for like, for two years in a row almost, age 12 and 13, something around there. First two years of MTV, whenever that was. Was that 82 and 83? Maybe I'm off. Maybe it was 84 and 85. I don't know. Anyways, but I saw him on with Alex and I, I thought it was great. And I've been listening to his No Agenda podcast ever since. I enjoy it. That's like my go-to thing when I get in the car for, especially for a, you know, a bit of a drive. Cattle rancher info here from Shell at the end. She says, we thought all he did was practice law. One person in the law club is a rancher, and he posted this frank, dismaying talk about the back of his cattle trailer. He said, the U.S. Cattle Board is mean and corrupt. They mishandle their $8 million funds and tell the cattle ranchers to shut up. Shut up about them importing gross beef from Latin countries and long transit time, Australia too, but then slapping a USA or USDA sticker. Yeah. Yeah, that's an issue. Someone was asking me about solutions. I, liked, I, I look forward to focusing more on solutions and maybe that day's here. Maybe I just haven't realized it yet, but that's a solution. More grass-fed beef. Every community should have cattle. Um, it's good for the environment if we want to 
do that, which we do. We always have. Dre, excellent post. I agree with the cycle, and that's why they must remove history. Another great person that questions the narrative is there's no place like home on YouTube. I think I remember that, and I, checked, I looked that up and checked it out. I haven't watched a video yet. Oh, I like this one. Will I prepare? Yes, but I will not stop pursuing my dreams. Same here. Same here. Now, the show today, the interview with Ben Davidson is going to be definitely uh, back into the cataclysm, back into the idea that this is all going to dramatically change in a very deadly, dangerous event. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but that's what we're going to be talking about. Our guest, I think, believes that's true. A lot of people do. I think my gut sort of leans, my gut does sort of uh, lean me towards there. But at the same time, I don't even know where we are. And so I don't know if everything is written in stone. I don't know if I believe, I don't believe that. It might be true. I don't know. So what is an, I, I'm an agnostic in almost everything. I have faith in God. And that is also very, that's loose. Because I don't know what, I don't know the specifics of that. <clears throat> all I know is if I'm on the right path. That's all I know. So, but yeah, I'll never stop pursuing my dreams either. So even though I definitely plan on preparing, and I think I'm prepared as best as I could be right now for like a working class guy, middle class guy, but I wanted to make some of that sweet, some of these people are cashing in. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing, but I mean, some of these people are making bank right now in this movement. I'm not saying I want in on that, but I do want to uh, expand my, um, I do want to give myself a raise, which is impossible right now with where I work. And I have been uh, doing that a little bit with you guys, so I appreciate that. But yeah, because um, I want to prepare. Um, starting with a home. I want to get a home. Oh, I'm going to mention this now before I move on. No, I'm going to make a note. We're going to do this after the interview. Make a note so I don't forget. Bubba says, Reese crushed the Terminator. Now that's in reference to the movie, The Terminator, and the character in the movie named Reese. That was his first name, not his last name. I definitely remember that character. Uh, but a little bit of, uh, you know, the first time I, well, that was a very fond memory, that movie. Formative years, I guess. Maybe not formative, but. The leftist movement is a fixed agenda. Anything that has a label of liberal freedom, peace, or anything related is painted into a terrorist movement because the elitists that pull the strings prefer us as slaves, sexless drones, LGBT, to do their toils and labors. That way they can control breeding of who will repopulate after they kill off 99% of us. They want their own inbred retards to populate the earth. That is from Dino Rex. I, would, I wouldn't argue with much of that at all. I like uh, it's replied to by Dragon. I like how Hari claims they will be gods, and then shows a clip of prosthetic arm as his proof. Yeah, the Hari thing is it's a very it's almost a joke. I don't think anyone takes that guy seriously. I think he's put out there. It ends here with their utopian plans. I keep seeing scenes from Zardoz. Great reference. Great movie. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, check out Zardoz. 
ironic that in dealing with today's Bond villains, Connery was Zed in the movie. Yeah, I think the whole thing's theater. I think they're meant to look like Bond villains. I would even... I don't think it's implausible that the whole Bond villain thing was created uh, to put in our heads. I mean, it was written by a intelligence, you know, British intelligence agent. Uh, Nancy loves a new sound, uh, loves a new Sunday podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that. Watching a movie... I would have left a longer comment since the topic today was, are we getting played? But this forum doesn't appear to be the place for discussing disclosure. We are watching a movie that has turned into nightmare on the planet Earth. I haven't been breaking out any popcorn while I watch it, watch it since. To me, it is a horror film, and I'm sick of it. I'm waiting for the closing credits, but I won't hold my breath waiting for them since I would surely die before they roll. Best of luck to you with your new equipment, your new home, and your new endeavors. If God has mercy on us all, he will soon end this madness and wake up the rest of the sleepers. I keep hearing and reading that God wins this war, and I have to cling to that to survive. May God bless us and keep us safe. Amen. <clears throat> yeah. I try not to think about it too much, but you, yeah, it's, when you do, it's, that's kind of how it looks right now. It's crazy. Any way you slice it. Jefferson writes, news, an unusually strange attention-grabbing story or entertaining information usually spoke, this is the definition, I believe, of news, an unusually strange attention-grabbing story or entertaining information usually spoken by attractive humans meant to compel the listener to run to their TV or radio so they can be sold advertising. Yeah. At best. Greg writes, I want to bring you... To your attention that on spoke 20 is Proverbs, Luke 3, John, Rapha means physician and to heal. The 20th century was a revolution of the medical, pharmaceutical industry and technology, knowledge and wisdom. And he said unto them, ye shall surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do here do also here in thy country. <clears throat> Luke binds physician with proverb and health, as also mentioned in 3 John together, and look at the year 2020 when COVID-19 and the lockdowns, but 2021 was focused on the vaccinations. The vaccination seems related to the poisonous snakes in the 21st chapter of Numbers. Um, and then relating to, yeah. Yeah, I got I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know what's going on right now. This is a replied to this is 23 is the number of death. 21 is the number of sin. Surely we will see more drop dead in 2023. So, okay. By those numbers though, at least by 2024, things are going to start looking up. <laughs> You know, 23 is the number of death, but 23 is much more than that too. 23 is actually a very interesting number. I hate, um, I, I wouldn't recommend seeing the movie just because Jim Carrey's in it and why give him the money. Um, I, don't, I don't feel forgiveness towards a lot of these 
sellouts to this, you know, system slaves. But anyways, he was in a good movie called 23. Better than that, there's an excellent movie or an excellent book written by Robert Anton Wilson. I believe it's called, um, shoot, I'm going to tell you exactly what it's called. I think it's the first Robert Anton Wilson book I ever read. And, um, come on, Google's gotten so bad. Well, anyways, it, apparently there is a book. No, it's about him. <laughs> Cosmic Trigger. There it is. There's a few cosmic triggers. Yes, this is, it's Cosmic Trigger 1. Final secret of the Illuminati. That's where he gets into the number 23. And I'll tell you, it's interesting. Whether, I mean, I, I can't imagine, even someone who, does, who doesn't really find that much interest in numbers. That's a good one. But that movie, um, Jim Carrey's basically just covering that book and it, the Horrible comparison because it's a great book. The movie's not that great. Anyways, moving on. Someone uh, says, I, I also like the terrible tyrannical lisp, but we knew it was Rob Dew. I love the tyrannical lisp. <laughs> I'm repeating, I'm, I notice I'm repeating my comments in real time. And relating it to, yeah, that, that, I love the lisp. All right, I'm kind of skipping through the rest of these comments, especially if I already read one of yours, just for time's sake. Ale or Allie? I read it as Allie. Atlantis, check out J.R.R. Tolkien's working the Atlantis myth into his book. This I found very interesting. I got to look into this. I'm going to read through really quick, but um, oh, there's a link here too. Specifically, the story of Numenor, a civil war between the faithful and the king's men factions broke the kingdom in two. The faithful fled to Gondor while the king's men invaded heaven to steal back immortality, rejecting the gift of death. But before they could, God turned the flat earth into a globe. And this sounds interesting. Okay, and then a resulting cataclysm. So it looks like it's got all the little pieces of the story. Voting, important to always vote and on election day. That way, if they try to steal, they won't get away with it. We caught them last time. Unfortunately, we had practically zero political power to force the issue and fix it then and there. But we still caught them. That's important. We need to keep doing that. Don't stop playing just because we lose. We also can't live and die by the political election game itself alone. Many other games, very important to play. Health, wealth, wisdom, spirit, survival, and sovereignty, to name a few. And all those personal games are much more important to energize because unlike politics, the only opponent is ourself. And the results are much more directly impactful, real, useful, helpful, and good. <clears throat> here, here, I like that. Notes from Life writes, that's the only thing you can call it. What else is the mass slaughter of children? 
I'm freaking out. And as someone who lived with sick people as a child, cult is exactly the right word. Oh, okay. I like this. I like lists like this. By the, here's Buster Hands. Here is a list of just 15 of the rats. Which one do you think is the ugliest? Uh, Barack Hussein Obama, Hillary Clinton. I don't even want to say their names. A big list of names. Uh, Pelosi, Water, Schumer. Um, I would add to the list, this is a list of, uh, of a lot of the players. I would add to this list Stephen Colbert and uh, all of his colleagues. I don't know all their names because uh, I try to tune them out and I, and I don't watch them. But you know what I'm talking about, the late night talk show hosts, all the, I mean, these people are the media, right? Without the media, without the Colberts, then the, you know, Adam Schiff's and the John Brennan's and the Anthony Weiner's, they would have no, no cover. It's a big list, but it's not that big. Expose the Grove. Thank you. The Elon thing is a huge distraction. Amen to that. Exactly what I've been saying. He wants it to become a what you like China. F that. You know, and it's so, it doesn't even matter because it's like Elon is so obviously dealing with things that don't matter. So the fact that everyone seems to care anyways, it just means that people, a lot of people, most people seem to care about things that don't matter. And that's just the reality. I guess that's the, the problem with comfort. <laughs> or too much comfort. Not that I don't like comfort, but you gotta, you gotta put some pressure. You need some pressure. Cliff High just recently said how it's good, it's always good to be hard on yourself so that you don't get anyone killed. But especially now, like, right, we're entering into an era where it's, ex it's especially important to constantly be giving yourself a hard time, brutal to yourself, right? Because you can't make mistakes. One of the best ways I know for myself, and apparently Cliff High, one of the best ways to not make mistakes is to, is to really crack a whip on yourself. Honey Bunny, I trust John Coleman, who wrote The Committee of 300. He has books available still with incredible intel. Many Illuminati families involved have not been named before he started writing about it. The elite want to serve Satan. They already have all the cash and resources. They want to destroy humans and make this world their own. Yeah, I would agree with that. Ed Pollan writes about Nassara Gassara. is in force right now. Central banking has been taken down. Taking names and kicking ass. <clears throat> Time to join up. Thanks, Greg. <clears throat> Could never wait for your well-read stories on Alex Jones, possible Zionist deep state agent. Sure, everyone thinks that. Who has never, ever mentioned the Israeli Zionists? Sure he is. Like the main culprit of COVID-19 and everything was never to be mentioned. Time to join up. Thanks, Greg. And then there's a comment to it, uh, Ike's take on Sabbatean Frankism. I would agree with that. I would, uh, when it comes to the subject, 
I would always refer to David Icke's take on Sabbatean Frankism. Uh, David Icke, uh, Alex Jones was right, but in but in in many ways, David Icke is leading that. There's a few people, you know. There's a few people on that podium. I, I think David Icke's got number one right now. I mean, they might be reptiles. <clears throat> well, I think there are. I think really, ultimately, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with non-humans. And the reptilian thing is not, uh, that, ain't, that ain't something David Icke made up. Jefferson writes, I very much enjoy the Reese Podular Network, RPN, and the fellow commentators here. And yes, Greg, the comments on comments segment rocks. All right, good. I'm glad someone likes it. And on that, it looks like we've reached, well, let's see. Like I said, I'm, I'm probably missing a bunch of good ones. So I, I should probably do this on my own time and, and make notes of the ones to talk about. I'm right now I'm finding myself skipping from people I've already read. Some, uh, but Dragon G is talking about UFOs, and I had to stop and look at that. Yeah, there's. I mean, that's that's a UFOs are part of a are part of our our world. It's very mysterious. Uh, Greg's talking about the entertainer channel on YouTube. Enter, enter the stars channel on YouTube. Who, who analyzes movies and TV shows? I don't think I've ever seen this. I'm going to open that link. Vaccinations and Trumps were predicted in them. Honey Bunny writes, of course the Freemasons planned this agenda decades ago. I would say this whole thing has definitely been planned 100 years ago. Thanks for the podcast. You're welcome. Greg, give an email address to send me some vital info. You can always send it to greg at infowars.com. Uh, something to consider when looking at cataclysms in Atlantis. Look at the Ojibwe shaman tales of times before the flood. People turned away from spirit and were destroyed by... Oh, Interesting. The Ojibwe Shaman Tales of Times Before the Flood. I will highlight that and search. Ryan writes, just asking if you're still doing the Reese reports on InfoWars or maybe, yeah, I mean, I got like two a week, maybe one. Occasionally I'll do one a week, but usually two a week. That's my goal. Alex doesn't always uh, run with him. Sometimes he goes nuts over him. Sometimes he ignores him. Well, he never ignores him, but that would hurt my feelings. All right, and then to finally, we're going we're gonna to wrap up the comments with the, a couple comments from this most recent thing here where I have... Um, um, I was plugging uh, the Reese wrap-up. Thank you for your... Okay, so... Uh, Finn sounds pyramidal to me, shrug, reading the Ray White paper. Oh, okay, dispel my apprehensions, beats being exploited by... All right. 
Now we have to join Rothkin to see a report. I can't keep track of all the different platforms. Yeah, this is why I wanted to end this. There's a lot of criticism here of what I'm doing on Rockfin. Jim says, uh, I was your first and only subscriber to Subscribestar. He's saying he hasn't been able to access any of my stuff. I replied, I hope I hear back. Uh, if this is true, I think I, I only had one subscriber on Subscribestar. And I never did anything on Subscribestar. And when I finally started this, like a year ago, I got this person who was on Subscribestar. I gave him a free year because I already paid for it, basically. And I never heard back from him. So if that's you, then please reply. Everybody's making comments. Gregory's not even going to read these comments. <laughs> so he's mad. All right. Well, I mean, get in touch with me. And if you're the guy that was on Subscribestar, yeah, I reached out to you and maybe you didn't get that, but you should be able to log on. And if you can't, let me know. But anyways, back to the Reese wrap up. And then someone says here, while watching last night's World Series game, Disney had a commercial promoting their new movie, Strange World. Something about that movie that makes me think of the COVID shot and the strange things in it that might now be floating in your body after the shot. Remember the 1966 movie Fantastic Voyage where a crew and submarine were shrunken and injected into the body? I loved that movie, by the way, when I was a kid. I haven't watched Disney's new movie, Strange World, but what I saw in the trailer looked like a bloodstream with strange things moving about like Fantastic Voyage. All right. Sounds interesting. I won't be watching it. I'm, I'm, I can't stomach propaganda movies anymore. But anyways, in response to, uh, before we get to the interview, in response to the Reese, Reese wrap-up, well, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you that the, personally, I think Friday was, was a flop. I don't think he missed anything. <laughs> I got a nice, decent, nice camera that makes me look crisp and clear. But I don't love being on camera. I think that probably comes through. Um, the format I have, by the time I got done with it, I felt like it was boring. Like I basically kind of just went over news. And uh, we'll see. So I don't think you're right now. I don't think you're missing much. And, and in response to Heather, Heather, I agree. I wish, I wish I was just on one platform. And uh, I, you know, or I wish I had someone managing all this for me. <laughs> One or the other, you know? Because I just want to focus on my work. That's really all I want to do. Uh, I started this because, I started this podcast because I realized that I could lose my job with um, free speech systems, you know, as much attack as we're under. And so then I needed something to fall back on so that I could keep making the videos. And I, I love it here. I like the podcast. Um, so I think what I might be doing now is I, what I'll do in response to this is from now on, and you, I'm not going to do it for last Friday. Cause I, like I said, I don't think you're missing anything. It was awkward <laughs> in my opinion. Um, but what I'll do from now on as I go forward and it's still experimental, like, I don't know, I might stop doing it. It depends on, you know, it's a crypto thing. Um, it's an experiment. I will say this, the video end of it's very stable. 
It's the most stable video experience I've had since YouTube. And that's, uh, that alone makes me interested in, in um, experimenting with it. But what I'll do in the meantime is as I'm doing this, I will make an audio file and give it out here to you guys, to you subscribers here at Substack. So you'll get an audio version. And, um, and I don't think you're going to be missing much because uh, I'm starting to already think about scrapping the whole wrap-up idea and just picking like maybe one subject every, every week and going deep on it. Maybe something in current events that relates to something else that I find. You know, I do have a, I have a catalog. I have a library catalog in my head of, of weird, interesting stories. And I don't have them all memorized, but I have a catalog of the, of the, of the basic story titles, I guess, you know, story themes or whatever. And then you just refresh your memory, dig up on them. And anyways, blah, 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 blah. So anyways, that's what uh, I'm saying about that. So from now on, expect starting, and it's going to be Thursdays, not Fridays. It's going to be Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central Time. And from now on, as I move forward, expect a audio version of it, I guess, uh, probably that night or the day after for uh, Substack subscribers only. And thanks for your feedback. And I hope someday... Um, I like the podcast. I like the community. I like the, uh, the freedom. Um, what is it called? I already forgot the name of, it's not a cult anymore, by the way. I decided I took that to heart. I was, uh, the, uh, tribe. So it's the, um, golly, truth, truth, freedom tribe. That's right. <clears throat> so, and, uh, yeah, the ideal, the ideal thing is all in one place. So for now it is. For now it's here and then I'm experimenting over there. Okay, anyways, coming up now, the interview with Ben Davidson from Suspicious Observers. Enjoy. Hello. Ben, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Good to hear that. Thank you for taking uh, the time to speak with me this morning. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. I like your icon, by the way. Oh, you know, that thing, uh, yeah, that, I think I probably created that many, many years ago. I was living in an ashram. I'm, I, I remember when I did that. Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. I, I, I like it, too. I, um, I've, had a, I've had a love for the sun and the moon. The moon in particular. The, mon, the moon almost more than the sun. I, I have a certain fascination with it. Have you ever looked, I'm sure you have... Uh, look at the moon through a telescope, like in real time, and it's yes, I have. yeah, unbelievable. Certainly is. So I have a couple notes here. Um, first, to start off, I just like to say uh, I am not a scientist. I sort of consider you more of a scientist than some of the other researchers I follow because uh, your focus on the on the work that you do. That is not me. I am more of a researcher. And I can, I produce videos and stuff. And so my, I was going online trying to sort of refresh my memory on certain things. And I'm sure, as you know, it's just not that easy to find things online as it used to be. Back in the day, you could just search for whatever you're looking for and it'll bring it right up. It was, it was amazing. 
So yeah. a lot of my memories kind of foggy on the subject, but the main, the, the thing I wanted to start off with, um, and a lot of, uh, people listening, uh, to this podcast are going to be completely new to this. When my, my, the recent video I did was basically just a, one of my usual sort of quick summary things to try to, you know, put the idea in people's heads. But I remember back in the day when I was studying pole shift, finding videos on like magnetite that was dug up in the, in the, from the earth that showed a pole from my memory, it was like a 90 degree flip back and forth, back and forth. But I might, but like I said, I might be wrong. I was trying to find that again. And, and it's very, exactly what happens. that's exactly it. Okay. So that is correct. Cause I know in a lot of your videos, you say that the 700,000 year cycle is that's not related to the magnetite. That's, that's what I wanted to ask you is, is you, because when you go online, like you look at the USGS and it says, uh, the last reversal was 780,000 years ago. Uh, not that I trust the USGS, but then it says reversals are not instantaneous. They happen over a period of a hundred to two thousands of years. Though recent research indicates that at least one reversal could have taken place over a period of one year. Yeah, they, uh, USGS is not the greatest source for that. The idea for this call would be to get three ideas through people's heads. One, that there is a shorter cycle of about 12,000 years. They call those magnetic excursions. They're really just rapid flips. Um, we are 12,000 years since the last one, and one is occurring right now. And uh, thirdly, this is a major, major risk to our planet. That's interesting. So when you say 12,000 years ago, would you, would you agree that the, what Randall Carlson calls the younger Dryas period? Yes, except he seems to think that everything was due to a comet. And uh, unfortunately, there's just no way to explain all the evidence with a comet. I would agree with, okay, now that that's one of the very few things I have written down. So I might as well jump to that right now and get it out of the way. But a lot of, and this is all based on myth and uh, scripture, which obviously is allegorical in most cases. But uh, you're going to find in many cases, if not a comet, a planet, Wormwood, Nibiru, Thunderbolts of the Gods talk about the uh, plasma discharge event that was scrawled on cave drawings and stuff like that. Basically, the, the common thread seems to be an additional thing in the sky, something in the sky that we're not used to seeing, something different than the sun and the moon. Is there any science in your research that would sort of back that up? Um, seven, 70,000 years ago, a red, uh, a red star system did cross through ours, but it is long gone now. It was a one-time event. Uh, that's where the Nibiru stories came from. It came from the survivors of the Toba disaster 70,000 years ago. Um, it's it's visible in the sky right now, about 17.5 light years away and uh, moving further away by the year. Um, in terms of the thunderbolts of the gods, the stuff that the Electric Universe folks talk about, um, there's some interesting stuff there. There's some interesting contradictions. For example, uh, they talk about a polar alignment of all the planets and things like that. But the problem is the pictures of it were drawn all over the world. And if it was a polar alignment, only half the planet would have been able to see it. Um, this is, this is truly about the earth and the sun and a little bit about the galaxy as well. And there should be things in the sky that we're not used to seeing. 
but um, this specific event is not Nibiru or Wormwood, and uh, there is going to be a, a plasma discharge, what they call the thunderbolt from the gods, but um, it'll be because of a blast the sun throws at us of, of basically plasma, and when that hits our planet, it's going to cause an arc discharge down to the ground, something that you know, burns rock, creates glass in the desert, maybe even carves out things like the Grand Canyon. Interesting. So, because that is, I think, part of the, that is the uh, Thunderbolts project was the Grand Canyon. They also argue on Mars was a, was the same kind of thing, a type of a discharge. That would certainly explain an object in the sky. I think all those different objects in the skies could obviously simply be allegorical ways of saying about talking about something that happened up look up you know and there's something very dramatic that changed everything right you said something just before about the two the three most important points one is the twelve thousand eight hundred year cycle which um would you agree that because to me when i look at that it seems to be half of a great year so like a lined up somewhere maybe on the the, the equinox or the uh or the, uh, what's the other one? Solstice of the uh, great year. Is that in your purview as well? Like it's a calendar event? Um, sort of, except the great year is a little off. It's not 26,000 years. It's actually only about 24. You have to add in the apsidal procession in addition to the procession that most people are talking about. Okay, and so that actually brings it closer to the 12,000 years. So that actually answers that question. Because it would make sense to me. I mean, I mean, like I said, I'm not a scientist, but when I've looked at this, it always, whatever for whatever reason, it just seemed like a calendar event. Maybe that's because of the way it was presented or not. But it, it that was the one way it made the most sense. Well, right on. The way I'm going to say it makes perfect sense. And my goal is to take complex science things and make them easily understandable for everybody. You were saying. Um, that the um, that the Earth is in danger. That I don't think I've heard you say much before. Because a lot of a lot of the stuff I've been listening lately is it's not as doom and gloom as as people make it out to be. And, uh, no, and no, I, this, the, this thing is the primary um, extinction factor of species over short periods of time, geophysically. You know, on the thousands of years scale, this is the primary. Uh, primary thing that causes the extinctions of species. Well, that would make sense. And so I guess when you, I guess the idea of doom and gloom when you is and that, and, and it makes sense to me because just because you are aware that the primary method of extinction of species is upon us, uh, doesn't mean it, it, it needs to be, a a bummer. <laughs> and you know, I mean, and I mean, that's seriously, like I feel Personally, I feel spiritually and mentally I've been preparing for this uh, for for years and I feel honored and, and excited to be alive right now. I think I every time I see any other human right now, I feel the same for them. Like I, I'm like, look, there's another human being alive right now. Like this is a very, in my eyes, a very special time to be alive. Absolutely. And I'm not too worried about and I'm an old, you know, I'm I'm past 50. So I'm not going to cry about like having a, a short life because I've had a good life. But um, 
But it would be a hoot to see it, and it would be a, an, an, an exceptional honor to actually survive it. Is that something that, um, that you're uh, planning on? I mean, I know you can't really plan on such a thing. but Yes, you absolutely can, because all the cultures that survived the last one, they all had similar things in common. They all appeared to be preparing for it. And the ancient stories from India appear to cover four or five of these disasters and those people all survived in the same way as well. So we can talk about that too. Yeah, that's what we should just go to right now because I mean, I think that's probably what everyone cares about. Like, I mean, if I had, um, if I had all the money in the world, I would buy, I would want a cave system. I would want an old, old natural cave system on my own property and that I could choose to, you know, that I could maybe even outfit and live in, in the meantime, I wouldn't mind living in a cave period because it's a very efficient way to live. But, um, but I don't. So basically my plan is to just keep as light as possible and flexible as possible. And so that, you know, just go with the flow kind of thing. But, um, and I just was recently looking at your videos. If anyone's interested in this, Ben's got some really good videos on location uh, some redundant ones. You could check about, check out a bunch of them. And I was excited to see that the area that I'm dreaming about, I'm not there yet. I'm on the coastline. I'm in a bad spot right now, but ultimately I'm envisioning for years now, I've been envisioning the Allegheny mountain Ridge line on the West side in Tennessee. And I noticed, I was thrilled to see that that's basically one of two places that you've got marked on the map. How Certainly. are, if you don't mind me asking, how are you planning on preparing for this? Uh, well, I'm located on the eastern range of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. We are preparing with all the normal things, but we're also going to have underground potential and a community that is set up, uh, very like-minded individuals who not only are on the same page mentally about what's going to happen, but what needs to happen in the aftermath as well. Trying to survive the same way that other cultures did when they survived 12,000 years ago. Which is like, that's the, that's the upside of the story is the upside of the story is that if we could, if we could uh, come out in the open with this and get over all these stupid nonsense distractions, we could actually do something really cool and, you know, and survive this. Uh, is, are you talking about the um, observer's ranch? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's called Observer Ranch. And that's not open yet because I've been checking that out. I would be, I'm very eager to check out and visit that place when it's up and yeah, running. It should, should be open next year. In the, what's the cave area? What's, is that a pretty cavernous area? I don't know. I mean, it must be because it's the, it's mountainous. So I would imagine there's going to so be caverns. The interesting thing is just north of the property is 95,000 acres of Bureau of Land Management property. Uh, they offer hunting licenses and other things there, but obviously after the disaster when all governmental aspects are out, that area is up for grabs. There are springs, there are caves, there are creeks, there are small lakes, and that's where the majority of the huntable animals are in the region as well. That makes sense. Do you think this is why uh, the Denver airport is where it is? Do you think that is related at all? Uh, the Denver airport's about two hours from Observer Ranch. Um, I would not recommend being anywhere near Denver. No, I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere near. Just, just be, uh, for the mere fact that, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but for the mere fact of 
of uh, like the government being there is that's the last well, place in the world. Um, I'd... But being in a city is a terrible idea because there's going to be yeah. all the people without food, without water. They're all going to be hungry. They're all going to be going a little crazy. Um, not to mention that as big cities go, Denver is about as Sodom and Gomorrah as it gets. Um, the basically a combination of the drug use there that goes way beyond the cannabis that's legal here in Colorado. And um, basically, there's quite a bit of hedonism. And for anyone who believes in, in dark magic or other things like that, to be honest, I don't know if I actually believe any of that stuff is real, but those people sure believe it. And um, it is exceptionally prevalent in the Denver area. It's one of my it's it's on my list of worst cities to be in in mm. the disaster. Good to know. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, so I'm 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 well aware of, of of city life, and I try to avoid it. And I lived briefly in New York. As far as the dark magic thing, my opinion on that is it's, it's to keep it simple. Is I mean cause and effect, and if you focus all your energy and attention on the animal side of you, then you will become a beast. I mean, that, that just seems to be common sense. If you focus more on spiritual or if you try to at least have a balance, then you could become, you know, a balanced human being, which is a good thing, especially these days. It's amazing how powerful it is to stand in the light. Yeah. And there is, um, I, I'm convinced as well that there is protection there. Uh, uh, that's the only explanation I have for things in my life is that... Um, what is there, I think, a saying, if you take a, two steps towards God, God takes 10 towards you or something like that. I, I can't remember. but Right. Well, it, uh, it certainly will help with uh, the psychological aspect of what's going on. If it seems to you like the world is going crazy, it's not just things that they're throwing at us like COVID and what seems to be an intentional economic collapse. There's an unseen factor. The weakening magnetic field of our planet, which is part of the pole shift, is allowing more space radiation to reach ground level. This is in the form of cosmic rays and radiation from the sun. And this has a profound effect on people's psychology, not to mention their biophysical condition. It has uh, implications for autoimmune diseases. It has implications for cardiac health. But it also affects the hippocampus in the brain, which is responsible for cognition and good decision-making. And it also affects a part of the brain called the locus aurelius, which happens to be the place where panic, fear, anxiety basically live and um, are, you know, intimately triggered. And so um, there's a lot of that going on as well uh, that's adding on to every way that I guess we'll just say the powers that be are really trying to mess with us. Um, it's not only the stuff that they're doing, the stuff that they're doing to the economy, but it's the natural condition as well. The natural condition that they're, as in uh, the geoengineering and the... No, the natural condition of the uh, of the magnetic... Okay, bullshit. what you were just saying, meaning natural, right, like... The, like, it, like Yeah, I feel that too. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because that would explain the past, especially recently, like in the past few months, um, I've questioned, like I've, cause I feel like I've actually, um, am better off than a lot of people for, for one, cause I've, I've mentally and spiritually prepared for this more than a lot of people. And cause I, I, uh, 
physically like prepared, like I have nothing to lose. Basically, I, I've been living very light for like a month. So I've, lately, I've been feeling kind of mad, or you know, meaning like crazy, like like I'm losing my mind a bit. And I'm I'm doing fine. I'm not complaining. But I've been reflecting on like how impressed I am, where it seems like everyone's keeping it together. Like I, I imagine that everyone must be going through some crazy stuff, and it is more than. I think a lot of it is what's going on, especially if if there's a sense of uh, of not having any idea what's going on. But I will say this, and I think most people will agree that the only thing that explains everything that's going on right now is the the cataclysm, whatever you want to call it. That's it, it's the reason why they're they're doing everything that they're doing right now. Yeah, I it's would agree. Not, now, let me ask not, you this because you, something you just said about. Um, the the effects that the you were some of the effects you were describing the natural effects was uh, autoimmune and heart the conspiracy theorist in me uh, pardon the the term immediately thought maybe that it, is that part of what they're doing with these vaccines and the COVID thing is to sort of mimic those effects so that there's an excuse on that to just sort of keep people blind from it does that sound crazy. Uh, Part of it is a distractive effect. The other part of it is there is a contingent among the elites that absolutely wants depopulation. They have every plan on surviving this. In the aftermath, they want to be able to be on top. They want to control resources. They don't want to be eaten by thousands of hungry people that survive. Uh, they they really want to be able to con they want a controllable population in the aftermath and so part of it is a distraction. They're doing everything they can to make sure people don't notice this thing that's happening naturally. Uh, with the earth and the sun and the galaxy, but they're also wanting there to be far fewer people. Now, granted, that's not everybody. For every single evil elite, there's somebody with a billion dollars who thinks they're Batman with the messianic complex, and they're they're doing things to, you know, that they think are going to try to help. Um, I don't know how how well they're pulling that off. It's certainly not making the news like the other side of the group, but you know, there's certainly that for lack of a better word, evil contingent that is absolutely um, trying to keep us distracted and wants as few of us here as possible after the event. That makes sense. Do you even think um, th that, because uh, they're, 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 they're definitely putting all kinds of nanotech in, I mean, it's a mixed bag of what's in these vaccines. It almost seems like there's a, a I'm, well, I'm sure there's several different things they're trying to accomplish at once. And one would seem almost like when you listen to like Noah Harari and all this stuff, it almost sounds like they're experimenting with um, the possibility of surviving this event by uh, putting their consciousness into something other than, you know, the fragile human body. Yeah, that's, that's certainly possible. I've heard some things about that when it comes to the vaccine. I think it's actually even a little bit more nefarious than um, a lot of folks who are aware of how bad the vaccines are. Um, it really does appear to be able to um, impart something on our DNA and RNA that allows signals to be received from somewhere. I don't know if that's 5G. I don't know if that's something else. But essentially, these boosters they want us to be getting all the time are the software updates. And I, I'll say this for anyone who believes in the soul. The soul would need to have some kind of in this plane, on our planet, in our universe, some kind of existential tie to our bodies. And that would be our DNA and our RNA. And by shifting that, 
they're re- they really seem to be doing something that could even, in fact, uh, affect our soul's ability to be tied to our body or maybe even harm the soul directly. Um, that if, For people who aren't into that kind of discussion or who think that kind of stuff is crazy, I don't know what to tell you, but um, I happen to be... A, I happen to be a believer that there's something beyond our physical body, that these are just sort of vessels for our beings at this time uh, here on the planet. I know that might be a weird thing to hear out of a scientist's mouth, but all the I can tell you I was basically on the verge of being an atheist when I was 20 years old, and now I have seen enough that I know better. Um, this place was engineered. It is not a random concoction of gravity and collisions and chaos and things like that. This is an engineered reality that we are in right now. It doesn't necessarily mean it's like a matrix, like the hologram, but this place was designed. And when you start to get into that and when you realize that, hey, crystals have power, certain rocks have power, um, they can interact with energies. Um, One of the things that goes along with that is the existence of the soul. If you know anything about the body chakras and things like that, All of those things tie together. You can't believe in one and not believe in the other. That's the kind of picking and choosing that gets people into trouble on a spiritual level. And um, just to get back to what I was saying, it really does appear that these vaccines have the ability to basically put a software upgrade for whatever purpose, I can't imagine any good one, uh, into our bodies and is actually changing it that way. But... um, Yes, no, I've heard that, and um, and that certainly does make sense. Uh, I've even heard that there's um, there's patents on this, you know, which sort of the, the idea of uh, you know ownership and all that. So this is a great segue because um, that was I was smiling the whole time you were just talking just now because uh, I, not only do I not find that weird, but I mean I I see personally I see the physical realm as a shadow of what's really happening. You know, it's a reflection of something, I guess you could call it spiritual, but would you, would you, a lot of people believe that, um, that this event we're about to experience has a purpose in that realm. And, you know, in, in the idea that we are in a, in a designed system, um, that has a higher purpose, talking about the soul and all that, a lot of people argue that this event is something to sort of deal with the evil. Yeah, there there should be both a cleansing aspect and a testing aspect of this. This is sort of a cosmic test of our species, kind of like the cosmic Super Bowl. And, um, you know, I, I run across a lot of people who just don't want to think about anything so terrible. And what they need to get into their heads is that there's a very good chance you chose to be here at this time before you were born, that you actually picked this time to come and be a part of this. And so um, might not want to commit treason against your spiritual self there. Uh, This absolutely should be uh, something that is cleansing where to a certain extent, those who are worthy, those who have the eyes to see actually have the ability to survive what's coming. Maybe we should get into a little bit of of exactly what that's going to look like. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. All right, so this is the briefest introduction I can give, and you touched on a little bit at the when we were opening there about they like to tell us that magnetic reversals, pole shifts on this planet happen every seven hundred thousand years. Well, any of the names that I'm about to give you here 
you can you can you know search on the internet for these the gothenburg magnetic excursion helena poly lake mungo mono lake lechamp greenland sea all of those happened in the last 60,000 years so this idea that they happen hundreds of thousands of years apart is just completely bananas it's totally false and all of these things, they have peer-reviewed papers in the journals, several for each event. They happen about every 12,000 years apart, and we are 12,000 years from the last one. In addition to us being exactly due for this to happen again, we are actually seeing it happen. Earth's magnetic field weakened 10%, according to NASA, from the, fifth, from the, uh, the 1800s to the year 2000, and that number was updated to 15% in 2010, so a very serious acceleration. And we got some interesting science about another acceleration in 2017 uh, in the Pacific sector of the field. So we're probably at this point down about 25% in Earth's magnetic field, and we're losing about 1% to 2% per year. We know that when it hits its next acceleration, it'll probably be going about 100 times faster, and we'll have only months left. That could be tomorrow. That could be in a decade, but the math suggests that the most likely time that this is going to happen is in the 2030s or 2040s. I wish I could give greater certainty than that, but I'm not Jesus and I'm not a prophet. This is simple math. Now, what do we expect when this happens? First of all, there's going to be geophysical effects, and what I mean by that is things involving the Earth. That means that if you've noticed, cold and snow records aren't exactly going away as um, heat records and things like that are occurring. The climate is going to be getting more extreme and it's going to include all aspects of weather, heat, cold, snow, rain, drought, wind, and most importantly, lightning. Uh, I gotta stop you there. Why most importantly, lightning to me is a huge mystery. Like I've heard theories as to what lightning is and everything, but. So, so Something you can just search online. I, I imagine that of all the groups I could be talking to in the world, a lot of your folks use DuckDuckGo instead of Google. But since Google is a verb, I'll just use it like this. You can Google cosmic rays lightning. You're going to find several articles on how cosmic rays actually trigger lightning. And cosmic radiation is actually one of the things that is increasing the most as Earth's magnetic field weakens. So the reason we're seeing record superbolts, we're seeing higher total number uh, total numbers of lightning across the world, things like that is because of the extra radiation and the increase in atmospheric electricity. The lightning is going to be absolutely phenomenal, and I'd like to throw in a little point here. You can also look on the internet for something called Nikola Tesla's lightning protection patent. It is unfathomably simple to make, and you'll know you found it when you find the thing that looks like an umbrella. This is something I recommend everybody have. We're gonna have tons of them at Observer Ranch. Um, the lightning is not going to be a joke at all. I've sort of been alluding to the fact that the radiation is going to be increasing. And so while the climate is shifting, the radiation bombardment in terms of ultraviolet, in terms of protons and electrons, uh, frequencies from changing magnetic fields, these things are all going to be affecting the creatures of this planet as well. And the combination of extra radiation bombardment and changing climate is going to have a profound effect on the food chain, all the way down to the microbes, the algae, and things like that. The food chain will start to destabilize, if not collapse. Uh, I mentioned a little bit some of the biological impacts on the cardiac system, autoimmune. We talked a little bit about the psychological impacts. 
But this time, we actually have another stressor that we did not have before, or at least not that we can definitively know about. When the Earth's magnetic field reaches a critical weak point, the sun will very easily take out the power to the world. This would be the, the great solar storm, the geomagnetic storm effect. And so basically, even well before the magnetic pole actually has its flip, we're going to lose power across the entire world. Now, the reason why when this has happened before, it hasn't been as big of a problem is because Earth's magnetic field was strong. The solar storm just found a weak point and something like Quebec had a blackout like in 1989 or Sweden and Norway had several transformers blow like in 2003. But when it happens to the entire world, there is nobody coming to help. There is no electricity. There's no heat. There's no air conditioning. There's no manufacturing plants. There's no stoplights. There's no working vehicles. There's no ATM machines. There's no water coming from the tap. There's no 911. There is just you and everybody else looking for food, looking for water. And we hadn't by that when that happens, we won't even have had the worst part of the disaster yet. Which would be uh, which when would, the Earth actually flips 90 degrees. Yeah. Um, and before we get to what that looks like, uh, I would say that that's, I mean, part of me thinks maybe that's why they're trying to take the grid down and cut off fuel right now just to, uh, I mean, that is their game. It seems like the game, um, the main game that whatever you want to label these people as is, def is rebellion and defiance against the, uh, the place we're in, you know? Absolutely. Well, you know, here's the thing. I talked a little bit before about for every evil elite, there's one who thinks there's they're Batman or has a messianic complex and who wants to get the information out. It's easy for people in our kinds of community to see the nefarious activity behind something like COVID and the vaccines, at the World Economic Forum, things like that. When the good guys do it, nobody in our community seems to realize it. This whole... You, you remember the whole toilet paper shortage thing that started the whole go to the store and yeah. buy as much stuff as you can? That was not the story that they told us on the news. That was manufactured because now, unlike before, hundreds of millions of people know what it's like to go to the store and see empty shelves. Hundreds of millions of people know what it's like to have the headspace to actually be in that psychological position of wanting to gather and stock and prep and things like that. That was a gift yeah. was to us. I would, I, I would agree. Like the white hats. When people exactly. talk about the white hats and the black hats, I see two factions of elitists, uh, you know, and you can go back and all the way to Sumer and they're describing the same two factions. And one of these factions is probably being very kind to the herd. Like you said, like if it wasn't for these past two years, a lot of people wouldn't be as prepared as they are right now in every, right. in every so, way. So Every time the elites try to mess with us, they're going to try – the White Hats are going to try to insert something to prepare the people, to let them either know what's really going on or to basically use the, the man-made disaster by the Black Hats to teach us something and show us something and make us experience something that we're going to need in the near-term future. Yeah, as soon as we get, uh, as soon as we hear about what the pole flip is going to look like, I, then I think we need to talk about food. Like, how long do you think it'll take to get food back? Because that that's something I didn't really. That sounds like a good idea. So, as crazy as this might sound, 
the Earth is going to tilt 90 degrees. If you've got a globe in your hand, take Greenland and move it directly south to the equator such that the part of Antarctica south of Australia should be moving up to the equator on the other side of the planet. Now, the evidence for this comes in a lot of ways. My favorite comes from Major White, who was the leader of Project Nanook in the Arctic. He kept all of the data he wasn't supposed to. It was supposed to be classified. He stole papers from the Pentagon meetings, from their meetings with Rand, and he gave them to his son to publish right before he died so that you know they couldn't really do anything afterwards. Essentially, Project Nanook in the Arctic found layers of sediment under the ice, separated by about 12,000 years. Tropical fossils, polar fossils, tropical fossils, polar fossils, alternating back and forth, again, about every 12,000 years, indicating that every 12,000 years, that area is at the equator. And again, you know, you had mentioned the magnetite and other things like that. There are several lines of evidence, but that one from Major White is my favorite. Interestingly, almost every researcher who has published on this over the last 300 years, most of the time in books like the cyclical deluge, um, you know, authors like Leibniz and Walker and other people like that, they all say the exact same thing, that when the Earth turns over, the oceans crash all the way through the continents. And it doesn't mean they reach the highest peaks, but it means that they break through the valleys of the mountains and they make it all the way across the continents. While I do believe Einstein stole some stuff from the patent office and uh, sort of fraudulently got into his position, he was no dummy and he understood the math and the physics of everything that he stole. He was a pretty darn smart guy. He, before he died, Many people know that he was working with Charles Hapgood on the crustal displacement theory, and Einstein definitely said the Earth turns over. Velikovsky said the same as well, if there are any fans of him listening right now. Now, Einstein basically said the way it's going to happen is exactly as I described. Greenland is going to, to basically go to the equator, and the reason being is that when you have something that is spinning, the greatest weight distribution, basically where there's more weight than anything else, wants to spin at the point of greatest centrifugal force, which is the equator. There's more ice in Greenland than anywhere else in the Northern Hemisphere in terms of its distribution. It's just sort of plugged there. And the same thing is true with the part of Antarctica south of Australia. So they just happen to be what will be pulling the crust over. Now, Einstein died not figuring out exactly how to unlock the crust from the mantle, because right now they're locked at a place called the low velocity zone about 60 miles down. It is a delicate thermoelectric equilibrium. The problem is Einstein never looked at the sun and he never looked at Earth's magnetic field. And a major solar blast plus the weakening magnetic field and pole shift, uh, or maybe even just one or the other, would disrupt that thermoelectric equilibrium at the low velocity zone. And once the crust and mantle have become unlocked from one another, instantly Greenland and the par that part of Antarctica will begin to pull the world over. And you know, it, it's a shame that Einstein died without having looked at the magnetic field or the sun or things like that. But he saw the evidence that it was going to be there, just like several researchers before him did. And that's exactly how you explain the tropical and polar fossil layers alternating that uh, are in the Arctic found by Project Nanook. And it's how you explain uh, 
the sun rising in the other part of the sky, the sun standing still, that uh, that tribe of aboriginals who just, who have a story of the long night they thought was never going to end and they almost all froze to death because they basically had a two-day long night. Um, this is exactly how it happens. And this is how the oceans are going to get thrown into the continents because the oceans are basically just sitting on top of the crust. When the crust shifts, the oceans don't care. They have inertia. They have momentum. They're going to keep being and going where they where they have been, but the crust beneath them is going to be shifting. It's kind of like um, kind of like a surfer who uh, you know sort of slides his board into a wave. The wave is just there. You know, it doesn't start moving with the board. It just crashes right over the board, and that's exactly what's going to happen with the continents here. And I think that's. I think most people can visualize that because I know probably the most uh, recurrent comment I got on the recent Cataclysm video, because I didn't mention that in the video, but the most uh, consistent comment I got was that was and it's and the way people were writing it, it sounded almost as if they were just imagining it. They were like, you know what, when that happens, blah, 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 and they were describing exactly that. And that would describe, you know, the, the deluge and the great floods and and all that deeply embedded in our history. Where do you think? As a quick, uh, selfish question, where do you think Tennessee is going to end up when this all flips? Well, you talked about being in the uh, the mountains there, and you better be up high in the mountains because it's the Gulf of Mexico that's going to attack the center of the country. Um, everything from the future U.S. Navy map of America that shows the water cutting the country in half uh, to several other things. Basically, the Gulf of Mexico is going to be coming up into the center of the United States, not only because of the flip, but the tar volcanoes in the Gulf of Mexico are going to go off and set off a series of tsunamis as well. And, you know, post-glacial rebound, what they call isostatic readjustment, that's a real thing. Um, and when that water goes into the center of the country, it's not only going to flood the center of the country, but it's going to push that land down. And so it's actually going to sink part of the land in the center of the country and basically cut the United States in half. And it's probably going to reach the Great Lakes, if not further into Canada. So by that measure, then um, the the uh, the North Carolina side of the Allegheny Mountains, the eastern side might even be as at least as good, if not better. Hmm. I have to wholeheartedly disagree because when you tilt Greenland down, the same inertial force that sends the Gulf into the center of the United States is going to absolutely okay. tear the Atlantic okay. into the eastern seaboard. Uh, you know, last time the Earth tilted back to where it is now. You know that you know the the Earth was as I described. It's going to be twelve thousand years ago, and then it tilted back. Uh, when that happened, the waves came basically from the opposite direction. The Pacific broke through the Rockies. It didn't touch all the all the highest peaks of the Rockies, but it broke through the valleys and the parts between the mountains. I would not be shocked if the Atlantic broke through the Appalachians this time. So high up in the mountains on the western side, and I think I'm going to need to get like a floatable, some type of armored floatable absolutely <laughs> one of the easiest ways to do this is to just float away you know the worst part of the movie 2012 was the mile high tsunamis that's not a thing um this is going to be like a fast moving high tide where one minute 
the water reaches your feet. A minute later, it's at your shoulders. A minute later, it's five feet above your head, but it's still rising slowly. You can just float away. And it doesn't have to be some kind of super yacht. It doesn't even have to be an official boat, a makeshift pontoon, a raft. Anything that floats can work. Now, granted, in a lot of places, you're going to have mud and sand and trees and animals all over the place that are swept up by this thing. Um, and so those could probably destroy some of the floatable craft. But that's sort of a cross that bridge when you come to it thing. This is going to be like a fast rising high tide that lasts all day long. And it'll eventually reach hundreds of feet high. But it's not going to be a wave crashing at hundreds of feet. It'll be rising and rising and rising such that one could just float away. Now, this is obviously going to have a tremendous cleansing effect on the Earth itself, which one could only hope would, uh, would provide a more fertile Earth to plant food in once things settle down. How long do you think... Is there any geological record, anything scientific that suggests any idea of like how long of a recovery? Weeks uh, to one year. That ain't bad. No, it's not. And, you know, even if it's one year, I mean, serious preppers should be able to handle a year. Um, the, the biggest issue will be harvesting rainwater because it's hard to have a year's worth of water on your raft kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing. As much as this is like the cosmic Super Bowl, it ends just like a Super Bowl would. Yes, okay, it, it's like a cosmic Super Bowl that's tied with one minute left. Your heart's gonna hit your feet a hundred times in that last minute. And then the whistle's gonna blow. And everyone's just gonna calmly walk out into the center of the field. They're gonna shake hands, they're gonna hug. Somebody's gonna say they're going to Disneyland and the world will come back fairly quickly. Yeah, I like that. And you know what? Um, I, that makes the most sense to me, too, because um, that's why it's not doom and gloom. The doom and gloom is the, uh, is the fear and the anticipation that one must avoid at all times. Absolutely. Let me Absolutely. ask you this to shift gears here. I don't know if you're familiar um, with Edgar Cayce and, and how he described the book of Revelation as a spiritual process. He compared it to the opening of the chakras, basically the, the opening of the seals to the opening of the chakras, or maybe it was the can the lamps, the seven lamps. It's been years since I've heard it, but I recently heard someone discussing this in relation to uh, what we're talking about. And obviously when you read this, the seals being opened in revelation, it definitely sounds similar to the whole cataclysm thing we're talking about. But the question is, is, is the idea that, so yes, there is obviously this clear idea that this is a way of cleaning up and purging and cleansing and all this stuff. Is there a beneficial component to all this for those of us, you know, spiritually, like, like, like Edgar K, like, I don't even know what that means, the opening of the chakras. So even if that's true, I don't know what that means. You know? So here's the thing. The disappearances of species is matched in magnitude only by the appearance of new ones such that you can't just claim evolution is the reason why we see everything we see yes things like evolution are the reason why we see so many albino things in caves it's the reason why we have opposable thumbs and we ended up dominating things like that but in terms of this rapid appearance of new species these mutations of DNA are not as random as 
most of science would have us believe. There are only certain orientations that our DNA can take, and it's based on the energy level around us. And it is absolutely possible that you know, this shift is going to bring a different level of energy to the planet and cause our DNA to actually change in the process. We could become, you know, simply just more impressive human beings. Which could we be could, the nefarious reason why they're putting the vaccine stuff that you were talking about earlier. Absolutely. They don't want to be able, because we will not be controllable if that is the case. Um, we will basically be the light, if I can use a metaphor. Um, this is what the Ascension people are probably talking about. Yeah. Now, I, I have to be careful there because a lot of the stuff the Ascension people talk about is genuinely ridiculous. But there is a truth underlying a lot of what they say. And, you know, it's not going to be like we're all going to be able to speak to each other telepathically. We're not going to be able to fly. We're not going to be able to do all these other things. But it's, the, you know, like with many crazy stories in the world, there's an element of truth behind it. And I would say to that degree, um, while not to the extent that some of the more extreme extension folks talk about, there is absolutely the potential for us to ascend and many other creatures who survive to ascend to something beyond what they are now. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap it up unless you got anything else to say. I mean, that's um, the main thing um, I've been enjoying about your Q&As lately. Uh, those of you listening who aren't familiar, you can go to Suspicious Observers on YouTube. And um, is, is just your calm reminder to everyone that... Um, that there's a, to stay to avoid fear. Uh, Cliff High recently said, I've never heard this before, but Cliff High just recently ended his his video with is uh, the situation is hopeless, uh, but it's not serious. <laughs> you know, and I like that. I like that. Yeah. Well, and you know that makes sense. There's nothing we can do to stop what's about to happen, but it appears that every culture that survived the last one was preparing in a way that indicates they knew something was about to happen. Yes, the oceans are going to tear across the continents, but you can just float away. Yes, it's going to be a while before civilization comes back, but you can prepare for that with food, with water, with other forms of protection. Yes, there's a very good chance that before that happens, maybe years before that happens, the world is going to lose power and descend into chaos. But you can prepare for that as well. And the only thing I would say that most preppers, most serious preppers don't think about as much would be things like that Tesla lightning protection patent, the thing that looks like an umbrella. Um, if you're a serious prepper, add that one onto your list. Um, other than that, be aware. Um, I don't really want to plug any of my books or any of the other things. I want to plug my free material because that's where you actually learn the most. I give most of my best stuff away for free. It's at that Suspicious Observer's YouTube channel. And being aware and not having fear. Fear and awareness of something terrifying are two different things. Fear is a thief of time and focus and energy. And when you can meet it head on like a lion rather than a sheep, it doesn't become that scary. It can actually get a little bit exciting. Amen to that. I agree. When can I visit the ranch? Probably next year. All right. I look forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, Ben, I will plug your stuff. Uh, thank you for, uh, for talking to me, everyone. Go and uh, buy one of Ben's books. He's got some really interesting stuff. And check out his free stuff as well. I'm definitely going to do the... As soon as I get off the phone with you, I'm going to look up this Tesla Lightning patent. I'm a big fan of Tesla. And um, that sounds good. Thank you very much, Ben. Absolutely. Very much a pleasure being on. And uh, God bless to all your viewers, listeners, and stand in the light. Thank you. Uh, thanks for talking to me today. I look forward to uh, meeting you sometime out in Colorado. Absolutely. You're welcome anytime. It's a long one today, isn't it? Well, I hope you're enjoying it. I uh, hope you enjoyed that interview. I kind of liked it a lot. My favorite part about it was the Tesla umbrella, lightning umbrellas. And I've already looked that up, and that's a pretty easy project. Super interesting about lightning, too. I would also recommend if you have the time and the interest, look up uh, Cosmic Rays Lightning. It's pretty interesting. So uh, the just a couple things I wanted to say here before uh, we call it. I highly recommend checking out Cliff High's recent video. He's called Shadowland Planning. I think it's very important and it's very good. And I'll I'm going to give it a summary right now because maybe all you need is a summary, but. I never heard this term before, shadow land planning. And I guess this is like a business term or whatever. And basically what it means is if you know you're entering into uncharted, uncharted waters, if you know you're going into the unknown, if you know you're going into problems, but you don't know what those problems are yet, but you know you're going into them, then you do a thing called Shadowland planning. Shadowland referring to that place in the future that you're going into, the Shadowland. You don't know what's going on, but you know it's going to be trouble. And that's where we're at. We can all safely say that, in my, in my opinion, <laughs> that, that we are now there. And so it's important to do your planning. It's going to be different for everyone. For, I mean, for me, it's fairly simple because I don't have, it's just me, I'm all alone. And, uh, you know, I got my storable foods. I got, I got stuff to hold up in my apartment, <laughs> right? For a while. And if I got to leave, I got to pack, I can throw my back and go into the shadow land unknown and deal with things. That's basically where I'm at. But everyone's gonna have different situations. Like he's got a home and he's talking in his shadow land planning, he's talking about how he's got 250 gallons of diesel stored up. And as we move forward, he might find out that's not nearly enough and that he screwed up and he's going to have to adapt. So it's all about, and this is where he says, I mentioned earlier how Cliff High says, this is a very good time to be hard on yourself, right? And he's right. Because it, it, it's like our decisions are going to, could potentially be life or death. Not just for us, for those around us too. So the other thing, that he said for me personally with that, I, that the best I got out of it. If you're out there and you're holding gold and silver and you're looking forward to taking advantage of the opportunities that are going to come up when the housing market crashes and when gold and silver get revalued, which I think is an inevitable guaranteed thing in the future. When in the future, I don't know. It honestly could be within the next few years. But 
if that is part of your plan, Cliff High points out that chances are there's not going to be like some regular marketplace where you can go online and, and look for homes to buy, you know, in silver at a massive discount, you know, and he's right. In reality, what's going to happen when that happens, when the housing market crashes and they're saying it's going to crash by 90%. So houses that are selling for a million dollars right now are going to sell for $100,000 in the future, except when this happens, the dollar is going to be worthless as well because the whole thing is going to, everything, it's all the same house of cards, so it's all going down together. Housing market can't crash without the dollar crash. One equals the other. So it won't be a million dollar house today selling for $100,000 next year it'll, or in the next few, five years or whatever. It'll be a million dollar house today selling for like 75 ounces of silver, 100 ounces of silver. Or, you know, the equivalent of gold or whatever. Depending on where gold and silver get revalued, that's what it's going to be. And more than that, there's going to be a lot of deals to be made because some of these people that own these properties that were selling them for U.S. dollars one year, and then a year goes by and all of a sudden they're broke. Maybe they didn't save up enough silver. Maybe they were holding too much USD and they have these properties now and they want silver badly or gold. And here you are, ready to buy their property with silver or gold. But as Cliff High points out, you're not going to just be able to go online and find these people. So as he points out, part of your shadow land planning might be keeping up to date on all the properties that are currently selling that you would want to buy, have a list, have a, have a working list that's updated so that when the current system goes down and we are finding ourselves in that interim, you will have this list. And maybe you can, you know, make a trip and go check these, contact these people selling these properties and who knows, you know, hey, do you, are, do you need silver? Would you sell it for silver? Who knows? And he's right. The point being is you're not going to get these opportunities at the convenience and leisure of clicking on a button on your computer. And I think that's kind of where I was thinking. Which just goes to show how what a simple creature uh, I am. I mean, I'm a human being. I was just easy, you know, conditioned into... So anyways, Cliff High reminded me in the Shadowland planning video that uh, there are a lot of things that are good to think through. So I'm, for one, I am going to be doing that. I am going to be not only looking at properties in Tennessee which is ultimately kind of where I'm dreaming about settling down. I'm kind of, and I'm not, a, I don't believe in regret, so I have no regrets. But I did just recently notice, man, it would have been kind of cool if I, instead of moving to Navarre, if I moved up to Knoxville or something, or um, Seaverville, even Sevierville, which is kind of like the county I'm looking at. So then I was there, so then I'd already be there, you know? <laughs> but at that, when this lease is up, that's the plan. But, you know, make a working list of places up there that I can contact during the interim when the current system goes down in this great reset. But also make a list of local houses here in Navarre. It's a smart thing to do. And if you're holding on to um, gold and silver and you're looking... 
to turn that into some land or property someday, I would recommend doing the same thing. Check out, oh, no, and check out Cliff High's video, Shadowland Planning. It's about a half hour long. You'll find it on YouTube and BitChute. BitChute's uncensored. On YouTube, he, he, it's kind of comedic. I like how he does it, but he actually makes an effort to cut out like saying COVID and vaccines and stuff. Um, but you can also check them up on BitChute and it's all uncensored there. Check it out. That's my recommendation. The other thing I wanted to say on a personal note on this sort of a similar thing is, well, one, avoid fear at all costs. That's another reality that's very important that I don't think I say enough is there's no reason to be afraid unless you want to stumble and fall. The, the situation is insane, right? <laughs> but that doesn't mean there's any reason to be afraid. You can just surf it. And so uh, that's, where, that's where spiritual balance comes in handy. And that's where God can help. All you gotta do is ask. Uh, the other thing is, did you know that you can can meat? I can't believe, and if you do, why didn't you tell me before? Because I, 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 I'm, I'm sure I talked about pemmican. I made about, I think I got three months of pemmican that I made. Pemmican, I think I'm saying it right, is basically raw beef that you dry in a food dehydrator. And then once it's dried, you pulverize it into powder and then you mix it with rendered tallow. And uh, it'll keep for a minimum, I think they say minimum shelf life of two years, but some people claim decades. And I did that, turned out pretty good. It's I have these hard, it's like these hard, brittle things of beef and fat in vacuum sealed plastic. But it was a major process. I mean, like I said, you got to dry it out. You got to pulverize in the powder. You got to mix it with rendered fat. You got to pack it in these, you know. Canning beef, here's how you do it. I recommend watching a YouTube video, but it's, you brown the meat in the pan and you don't even really have to brown it. I mean, you're basically browning it just enough so that it doesn't clump all together inside the jar. And then you fill the mason jars and then you fill the, the, the vacuum with boiling water and there's a line that you fill it to and, and the line is important for sealing. I actually had about a 30% failure rate, but I think I know why and, I, and I'm pretty, pretty confident that my second attempt, I'm gonna have 100% success based on, you know, I, I recognize where I went wrong and stuff, but that's it. And then once you fill the water to the right level, you clean the edges of the jars so that they'll seal. You put the tops on, you put it in the pressure cooker, 90 minutes, take them out, let them cool overnight, and then you can see which one's sealed because, you know, there'll be a vacuum and the lid won't make a, you know, sound. And uh, there you go. And that, they say, is good for at least two years. And that's beef, baby. So phew, that's my new hobby. As long as I can buy grass-fed beef, I'm going to be buying it and not just eating it, but putting it in jars. It's my new hobby. I'm a canner. See you guys next week.